Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. What? No! God, remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down on yeah, basic glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned them into plastic. You, you want to see something really scary? And welcome, everybody, to Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. And... We are here to discuss Season 1, Episode 24 of The Twilight Zone, Long Live Walter Jameson. With an air date of March 18th, 1960, a father forbids a history professor from marrying his daughter when he discovers that the captivating lecturer is actually an immortal who has lived for thousands of years. I kind of wish this wasn't in the description. Yeah, because yeah. that's literally Spoiler. all the sh- this episode's got going for it. Yeah, that hook. Is it's kind of like, yeah, I liked it. I didn't think it was a bad episode, but uh, me neither. But I don't know. what do we think? Oh, I got a lot of problems. Well, hmm. it's well. First, I'm surprised it's a Beaumont episode. Charles Beaumont wrote this episode. Yeah. What do you think, Justin? <laughs> she's got she's got a, a big second toe. <laughs> Oh, so <laughs> I think I've talked about this, like the whole idea of immortality scares the shit out of me. And I have like it's like one of my irrational fears. Yeah. And I've just seen a lot of stuff, I think, that handles this better. Of course, those things came out after this. So but it's not fair to the episode. I'm trying to put in context of time, but it's just like eh, the way this was handled. Right. It's like you gave that description and that's the episode. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it it taps on everything, like the anxieties you have, like the idea of like, oh, people want to live forever. But it's like, really, that's fucking terrifying, that idea. Yeah. It it, it touches on those. It doesn't get it in ways that really grab me. Yeah. I liked his uh, Uncle Walt, his his indifference to life. He was just kind of like, you just go on living. It's like, ah, you know, I really don't care. It doesn't really matter. It don't matter. None of this matters. Well, you know what's funny about that is just like I look at it like the whole central conflict of the episode is his friend doesn't want him to marry his daughter, which, first of all, it's just like you're my best friend for years. You're going to marry my daughter is fucking gross. I think that's just me. The first bugaboo, not that yeah. you're an immortal. That's right. just like, wait, you've watched her grow up. That's just disgusting, dude. Right. But it's like the central conflict is, is like you're going to leave my you're going to marry her, then leave to keep your secret. And that's horrible for her. Sam, I tried to resign six months ago. You talked me out of it. Do you remember that? Yes. I knew Susanna was falling in love with me, and I knew what would happen. A few years of happiness, and then I tried to warn her. I did everything in my power to discourage her. Except tell her the truth. Now, how could I do that? She'd have thought I was mad. Then why didn't you leave? Because by then it was too late. I was in love with her. I need her. Everything is against it. All my reason and experience. But that doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter. It does to me, Walter. I can't let you marry my daughter. And why not? The way I come from it is, it's like, no, it's horrible for him. He has to watch 
And I wish they would have focused on this more. It's like, I have to watch everyone I've ever cared about die. That should have been the conflict for me. It's just like, I'm going to have to watch you decay and die. And I'm going to have to go on. That's what scares the shit out of me of the whole idea of immortality. And I don't think they, they didn't do that. It's like, hey, you're going to you're just going to leave her when she's an old bag and then move on to the next one. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's the way it should have gone with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the only part that I liked was when his ex-wife showed up. The scariest old woman who I have ever seen in my entire life. Oh, that's Estelle Winwood, who I've seen in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, she she's like one of those. She's like an Angela Lansbury. You only ever saw her look old. <laughs> it's <laughs> like she always just looked old in everything you've seen her in. She's in The Producer. Now, I'll be the innocent little milkmaid, and you'll be the naughty stable boy. Oh, this milk is so heavy. I've never reached the house. Help, help me. Will someone help me? Help me. We can't play today. I have too many appointments. We can't play today. Thursday, Thursday. We'll play on Thursday. We'll play the Contessa and the Chauffeur. Oh, the best one. Yeah, Max Bialystock, one of the old widows he gets money from. That's the woman in the Mm. opening credits. He's trying to, he's seducing to get like a check. Uh, Daddy needs his checkie. That's Estelle Winwood. She's also in uh, The Magic Sword. It's a really good movie. Interesting. Yeah, she's an old bag, though. She's just like, she's <laughs> kind of like, oh, fun thing. The makeup effect they did on him, Kevin McCarthy, as he's getting older, because they you they see it's in Very camera. good. It's the old trick of it's just makeup in opposing colors. So let's say it's green makeup they put on him, right? And then they shine a green light on him. So you won't see the makeup. And then you slowly fade that out and bring up a red light, which will expose the makeup because it'll be a contrasting color. And you'll start seeing that makeup show up. It's an old trick that they've been doing since the silent films. Wow, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah, it only works in black and white for obvious reasons. Uh, I guess I should go through the... There's another thing. I'm going to go through the the beats, but it's just like... Unless Juddy wanted to do it today. Have you ever considered how we're the monsters all along? (laughs) Okay, so... Yeah, because there's not much to it. It's just uh, people sit in the living room and talk about being old. So Walter Jameson's a college professor. He's giving a lecture. His uh, co-worker, Sam Kittrich, is in the class with him. He's giving a lecture, I think, on the Civil War. But he's giving it with like a little bit too much detail, like personal details. It's like, yeah, and Simmons, oh boy, did he had a bad leg and his fart stunk. Like he's just going into too much detail that wouldn't necessarily be in a history book. So his friend Sam, is he's marrying his daughter. And Sam's a really old guy. That night, they go to uh, Sam's daughter's house for dinner, and they're playing chess. And he's, and Sam says, look, we're the same age, but clearly we're not. And it's like, what's going on here? What's your deal? How old are you, Walter? You wouldn't believe me. I can believe anything now. All right. Let's say that I'm old enough to have known this gentleman personally. Plato? But that was over 2,000 years ago. Turns out Walter is 2,000 years old. Years ago, he met an alchemist who gave him eternal life. He was a person who was always afraid of dying, always thought it was senseless to die. He'd been living like a refugee his whole life, going from country to country, uh, seeing conflicts throughout history. Uh, no, he, he, he chilled with Plato. He was like, yo, what's up, Plato? And <laughs> I had nothing for Plato. And I'm saying Plato, hey. not Plato. I have problems. 
Play-Doh. Play-Doh. <laughs> you know, the famous philosopher, Play-Doh. Famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. He explains this to his buddy Sam. He's like, you can't marry my daughter. You're going to, like, as we said earlier, he's like, she's going to get old and you're going to check out. And I don't want you to do that to my daughter. Again, I had problems with that. He longs for death. He says, I keep a gun in my drawer just because I, I'm just too much of a coward to check myself out. And while he was at his fiance's house, a human buzzard was standing outside the window looking at all this. <laughs> <laughs> Played by Estelle Winwood. And the fiance comes in. He's like, hey, your dad doesn't want us to get married. Your father seems to think I'm too old for you, darling. That's the silliest thing I ever heard of. Good. And you'll marry me tonight. I think you mean it. I do. You go upstairs, pack your prettiest things. I'll pick you up in 15 minutes. But... Go. Go. I'll tell her. She won't believe you. Nobody would. Sorry, buddy, my best friend for years. I'm going to keep on banging your daughter. <laughs> like, ew. Like, that's not the issue. It's like, okay, forget about the immortal thing. You've been to my house. You've had dinner with me and my wife. You watched her go from a girl in pigtails, and now you're going to marry her? That's gross. And it's supposed to be, like, the same age, like, ostensibly. Like, the guy's clearly in his yeah. 70s, and he's not. Yeah. But he's supposed to be in his 70s. So it's like, that's just, you know, that's a whole other level of gross. Right. Oh, he says some weird shit to her. Remember, you're a PhD. Not yet, I'm not. There's a little matter of an examination, remember? A technicality. Anyway, you're going to be a housewife. The devil she is. I'm giving you my daughter's hand, not a brain. She's going to get that PhD if, if I, I have, have to, to spank her, I know. You're just going to be a housewife. She's like, no, she's going to get her PhD. He's like, well, you can't cook like your dad anyway. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He was like <laughs> yanking her around the whole apartment. Oh, He's like, yeah. this couch. So what the fuck's going on here? Come over here, mortal. <laughs> he leaves. He goes back to his house. He pulls the gun out of his desk and I guess looks at it like, uh, he's, and he's like Moses like in an episode of The Simpsons. Not today, old friend. And uh, Stel Woodman comes in. And he's just like, you're Tom Bowen, my husband. Your husband? My dear woman, perhaps if you'll tell me who you're looking for. Oh, stop it. I saw the picture in the newspaper announcing your engagement. I had to come to see if it was true. It is. I can't explain it. I only know it's happened. I've grown old and you haven't. Now you're going to marry someone else and leave her the way you left me. Lorette. I can't let you marry her, Tommy. You're mine. <laughs> You, she was fucking scary looking. She man. Was I can't horrendous. even fucking. <laughs> she was a horror. I cannot accentuate enough on how terrifying that woman was. <laughs> she looked like Grandma Thomasine. <laughs> we had a great grandmother, John, and she was like off the boat, like Italian. Like, you know, she's like, you came from the town of Corleone. So, you know, like that. And I don't know what language she spoke, but everybody seemed to understand it. Because it wasn't Italian, it wasn't English. It was a bunch of high-pitched howls and shrieks. Going, <laughs> she sounded like a, an Italian cousin it. And everybody understood it except the kids. Like me and Chris would always like, like your mom would be like, oh, you're hungry yet, Thomasine? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it'll be ready in 15 minutes. Like, but like, And we'd look at each other like, what is she saying? I think they were just guessing, to be honest. I think so, too. And it just kind of worked out. A lot of it was just guessing. Yeah. Oh, she was, she was ancient. She be. was in her 90s. And that's what this woman looked like. 
<laughs> she also kept she always had pig's feet in the fridge. There was always like a jar of pig's feet. I think it was the same you jar always, for decades. I don't remember the pig's feet. No, oh, I, I do remember that. I, I, I remember the hundreds of cartons of school milk that were oh always in the God. fridge up there. His grandpa was friends with the custodians. Frank the, the custodian, some, yeah. And they also just, just, they just give him milk all the time. That's right. He had a lot of hundreds of hundreds of cartons of chocolate milk and milk. I was drinking school milk for literally my entire childhood. All summer, I was like, oh, school milk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to love going up there. I that, that was the only reason you go up there is for the chocolate milk because it smelled like chocolate death milk. and urine. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd have to hear the, the banshee calls of a, a very old woman. You know what? Fuck it. We got to tell the story. The, fa the best story about... Grandma Thomasine, when grandfather had to give No, with the suppositories? Yeah. Well, might as well you can't tell that stuff. You can't? I don't think so. I think <laughs> okay, it's okay. All right. All right, that's a tease. One day. One day that's going to come out. Yeah. Where, where, where are we? Oh, so Estelle uh, Whitman uh, shoots Kevin McCarthy. That's it. The end. So, no, she uh, shoots him. Uh, she leaves. His friend comes over her. And he's just like, oh, I'm at peace now. It's like, you know what? This was, this was awesome. That old bag, she did the right thing. He ra ages rapidly, turns to dust. He chose poorly. The daughter comes His fiance in. sees him. Yeah. And she's and like, very yeah, nonchalant it. about it. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I'll find it. someone else. Yeah, she's like, hey, what's that? It's like, why is that dust wearing my, my fiance's suit? He's like, ah, don't worry about that. And you'll never see him don't again, but that. just ignore that. All don't right. Worry. It's all right. The end. Yeah, just come on. I call home with you, Papa. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's return home, Papa. Where's my old young husband? <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, we said earlier, I was not floored by this one. I've seen things that I think tell this story better. Maybe not a great movie, but my favorite movie about immortality, about what it is to be immortal, is the movie Zardoz with Sean Connery, decorated by John Borman. The guy who did Deliverance? Oh, it's amazing. That... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. John Borman. Yeah. He, uh, kind of a messy film, but worth your time. Zardoz. Speaks to you, his chosen ones. You have been raised up from brutality to kill the brutals who multiply and are legion. To this end, Zardoz, your god, gave you the gift of the god. The gun is good. The gun is good! The penis is evil. The penis shoots seeds and makes new life to poison the earth with a plague of men as once it was. I mean, it's memorable. Whether you think it's good or bad, there's some amazing ideas. It reminds me a lot of... Uh, Cloud Akins or Cloud Atlas is uh, right. What'd you say, Johnny? What, what was his name? Cloud Atkins. I absolutely love him. It's a very high-minded science fiction film. Not necessarily all the way successful, but swinging at the big ideas. And it's, I think I even said that in the, the draft of Tom Hanks' draft when I unfortunately picked Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atkins. I'll never forgive myself for that. But it reminds me a lot of Zardoz because it's a great film about <laughs> not getting older and mortality. And the whole point of that movie is it's like, it's horrible. Another great story about immortality that I love uh, is Doctor Who. I love the idea that I think that's explored what immortality is. Like his whole relationship with his companions. There's a great scene in uh, school, uh, the episode where Sarah Jane returns. I'm hijacking the show to talk about Doctor Who. But... 
Please stop. He always leaves his companions, and that was just kind of a trope of the show. Because, you know, really, in reality, it was like, all right, we need fresh cast. And we just, the way Russell T. Davy explained it, like, like, the canon reason for it, it's like... You just leave us behind. Is that what you're going to do to me? No, not to you. I don't age. I regenerate. The humans decay. You wither and you die. Imagine watching that happen to someone that you... What, Doctor? You can spend the rest of your life with me. But I can't spend the rest of mine with you. I have to live on. Alone. And that that, that stuff's great. I, I, again, that's another one that's just, I think it's, I've just seen it done better. And I know I should probably look at it in context of its uh, its place in history, this episode. But I, yeah, it just, I just don't, it just didn't do anything for me. Wow, so Borman, he wanted to adapt Lord of the Rings, and the studio was like, it's too expensive. And that's like the motivation to write that movie. Yeah, Zardoz was made for a million bucks, which is crazy. And it's it's in that weird place where Sean Connery had uh, wrapped up doing James Bond, so he wasn't working as much. Uh, he famously wears a red diaper as his costume because there's a, two groups. There's the Immortals and the Savages. And the Savages are essentially there to get materials for like the wealthy. It's also, uh, it also talks about class, the film, but they all wear red diapers, the savage, like these red diaper things. And the thing is they had so little money that when there's like big group shots of them, they couldn't afford the red diapers for everybody. So they just put red paint over people's crotches. So there's people walking around in the background with just red paint over their junk. And hanging dong in the back. Yeah, that's just how little around. money they have to make this mm. film. It's also shot by Jeffrey Unsworth, who also shot Superman. So it's a good looking film, too. Has the best trailer <laughs> in film history. One of my my favorite trailer of a film. I think I, I must have shown it to you because like, it's one of those things I forced on everybody I know. So you must I must have made you watch the Zardoz trailer, whether you re remember it or not. Well, that means I just have to make you watch it again. <laughs> I thought McCarthy was really good. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk. Kevin McCarthy, dude, uh, who... Yeah. It's Uncle Walt. Uncle Walt. Hey, Uncle Walt. Also, uh, you might remember, like, he's been in... He's a Joe Dante regular. They show a clip of Invasion of the Body Snatchers in Gremlins. They're here already! You're next! You're next! Yeah. And he's also in inner space. I wonder, miss, if Cowboy's ever told you of his incredible tolerance for pain. Is what? He's what? Is what? His ability to withstand pain. Why, his stoicism is legendary. Hiding your light under a bushel cowboy. That is so unlike you. That is who you are. Uh-oh. You mind satisfying my curiosity on that point? In lieu of champagne, how about some real pain? Propane? Cowboy, Dr. Kanker here has pioneered the field of limb replacement. Jack, you're generating too much electrical energy. And this is four years after the original uh, Body Snatchers, mm. too. So he's like a legitimate star mm -hmm. at this point. I just watched UA I mean, UHF today. Again. Oh, that's with, right. Uh, he's in UHF. Jesus Christ. Now look carefully. Do you see anything missing from this desk? That uh, stapler? No! <gasps> Dad? You know who plays his son? That's Jombie. 
John Paragon, who played Jambi. Oh, right. I brought up Larry Blamire earlier, and I just interviewed him for Scum of the Earth. He got to work with Kevin McCarthy. He has, dude, this is because he's a big fan of 50 science fiction films. So he wrote a scene just to have Dick Miller and Kevin McCarthy have a scene together. And it, it has nothing to do with anything. It's just like Dick Miller plays a bartender in his film, uh, Trail of the Screaming Forehead. Dick Miller just is a bartender and Kevin McCarthy comes in and they have a quick back and forth. He's like, why'd you put that in? He's like, because it's fucking Kevin McCarthy and Dick Miller. <laughs> anything else for this episode? I don't know. And now a word from our sponsors. I swear this city gets crazier and crazier every day. Hey, listen. Oh, jeez, we got a live one. Hey, buddy. The English nobleman in my teeth told me something. Hey, if you go to wnuf.bigcartel.com, you get the out there Halloween mega tape and other products. I bet you didn't know that. Did you know that the dust balls in my living room, they're there on purpose. Did you know that? Um, do you, do you want like a dollar or something? Ah! Did you just throw a cat at me? <laughs> oh my God, are you okay? I saw everything. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you one thing though. I'm not going to rest until I find out more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from WNUF.BigCartel.com. I can tell you that much. Yes, I too would like to learn more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from WNUF.BigCartel.com. Testimonies heard today are pertinent to the case of Annie Marie Singleton. Seclusion. My name is Vince LaRusso. I'm a detective with the Grafton, Vermont Police Department. Seclusion. Betsy, would you introduce yourself for our records? My name is Elizabeth Stewart. Seclusion. Is there anything in your conversation to suggest that your sister was in trouble? No, she sounded. This is harder than I thought it would be. Seclusion. Seclusion. Nobody you can think of from your past who'd wanted to disrupt her life in some way. I don't know. The internet is crazy, so I... Betsy. Seclusion. Seclusion. Is there any... Seclusion. Seclusion. Conceivable reason to believe... Seclusion. Seclusion. That Annie committed those murders. Seclusion. 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 Uh, Highlander is another film about immortality. Does anybody like Highlander here? I'm not the biggest fan. Mm. First one's all right. I don't think I've ever seen it. Ah. First one's all right. Here's the thing I don't like about the first one. So the whole thing is they're immortals and they all have to behead each other till there's only, there could be only one. It's for the prize. And what's the prize? It's like the filmmakers didn't think much about what the prize is because it's told the way they finally tell you what the prize is. He has he's having a picnic with a two liter of Coke with the girl he's been with uh, in the movie at the end where he's like and it's it's shot from behind. Like they just like grab some sh a shot of them just sitting having a picnic and mm. in bad ADR, they kind of said, yeah, I could hear thoughts and know what's going on in people's minds. It's amazing. Like they didn't have like a good idea of what the prize actually is. It was like, that's kind of lame. Like, what is the prize? And I guess it was like some kind of higher form of consciousness, but they don't even it's like they did. They wrote this whole idea 
And that's my problem with the whole series. It's like, they never really figured out what this is. I like it. I mean, the sword fighting's amazing. Clancy Brown as the Kurgan is fucking un- is iconic. Uh, and it's, it's a good looking film. I love Russell Mulcahy's direction in the film. And it's a fun looking movie, but I always thought it, there was always a piece missing from Highlander. But they go into that too, when he has that wife and she grows old. I think that handles it better than this episode. This is two episodes about immortality. I think they botched. The first one was the, uh, what's it called? And the guy hucks his uh, potato pancake wife off the roof. Remember, you always used to love potato pancakes. Ethel, you are a potato pancake. You're as tasteless as a potato pancake. Now leave me alone. Ethel, get out of my way. No, Out of my way. Please, out of my way. We keep coming back to that. What the fuck's the name of it? Uh, Escape Clause. Escape Clause. And it's like, hey, how am I going to handle me mortality? I'm going to keep jumping in front of municipal vehicles and just collect checks. Oh, this sucks. I'm going to die. It's like, (laughs) I just, I don't know. I just didn't think this. And I was kind of disappointed because it's Beaumont and everything else he's done so far knocked it out of the park for me. It's also not staged very interestingly. The whole thing just takes place in a living room and it's just a long conversation. Stinks. It did make me rewatch the movie, though. What movie? Body Snatchers? Twilight Zone. Oh, Twilight Zone. Hey, Uncle Walt. I hadn't watched the movie in a long time. He's so good. Long that's time. a great fucking... That's the best one. I don't care. I know fucking Nightmare and, uh, in the, in the Sky is, is good. I, I don't know what's objectively better. I just prefer Nightmare 20,000 Feet. But I, I haven't but watched the, it in uh, decades, so... So you watched the movie, John? I did. The Dante one fucking, it still creeps creeps the hell it's out of so me. so scary. The sandwiches alone is terrifying. Do you remember when they opened oh the sandwich? Oh my God, the sandwiches. It's revolting. It's what it's like, fucking it's a thing peanut of butter and, oh. and the hamburgers. It's good oh. that way. I, oh. Away from me, earliest fucking maniac kid. Core <laughs> memories. It's one of the earliest I remember being terrified beyond reason was when they showed the sister with her mouth disappeared. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. scared the living. Like, that really fucked me up when I was a kid. Because I, 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 I think I saw that out of context. I just saw it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's a mouth supposed to be there. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's really fucked up. That one's the creepiest. Well, you, when's the last time you guys watched the movie? I watched it not that long ago because my wife never seen it. So we watched it maybe six months ago. I think it was on Tubi at the, at the time. We gotta watch the movie it, again. It's now on HBO Max. Oh, yeah, maybe wow. I should save my thoughts because I'm sure we'll do something about the movie. Yeah, so yeah I'd do, like I'll to. I'll save my th- I'll save my thoughts. Yeah, this episode's very like well regarded too. Is it? Yeah, look, the people say it's rated really high. It's like holds a solid eight uh, rating on IMDb. I think yeah. the fans are just very friendly. Yeah. They, might. they love all these episodes. It's tough to ain't, gauge. Ain't friendly to this show, I'll tell you. You guys are friendly to this show, why don't you? Leave a review. Tell a friend. Help us out a little bit. Oh, uh, I like the Serling's closing narration. Last stop on a long journey. As yet another human being returns to the vast nothingness that is the beginning. And into the dust that is always the end. I did like next week's episode better. I may or may not agree with you. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. So what do, we, for a tease. what do we give this in terms of number? I'm with you. It's it felt it just felt like a, a simple play that I could have seen like off off Broadway somewhere. Yes. Like there's nothing to it. And I agree. It should have been about him and, and the wife. Maybe that would have been just go. If you're going to go dark, just start dark early. All this shit with the friend. It's like it's like, yeah, it's creepy, but that's not interesting. He's basically like Woody Allen, this the McCarthy. It's like marrying his best friend's daughter. It's a little, <laughs> it's, it's a little off. But I thought McCarthy's really good. Like you can tell right off the bat, he has like he's a, he is star. Like he has charisma. So that was fun. He he does as well as he can with the material, but just 
immortality. There's so many things you can do with it and just there's nothing there there. So yeah. for McCarthy alone, I'll give it a four. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say four, four or five. It's like a four or five. middle of the road kind of. Five, because it's not The performances dead. are good. You know, it's just kind of just, I don't know, it's like a throwaway. Yeah. It's the one scene with the wife where I thought that was really good. Yeah, but that was good. Otherwise. Other than that, it was kind of just a, yeah. Yeah, I think it's all the examples I cited earlier where it's like I've seen that more fleshed out, like what living forever actually means. But UHF. John, have you ever seen a UHF? No, <gasps> it gets brought, it gets it gets brought up so often. Oh. I, knew this, I knew I knew this moment would come sooner or later. Oh, <laughs> oh my, God. my! It's worth it for what's his oh. name alone. Michael Richards. Michael Richards. Yeah, Stanley Spadowski. Oh, hey kids! Oh my, he is, oh, dude, you're a Seinfeld fan. It's essential for you. I've won a drink from the fire hose. <laughs> Oh, you're 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 a lucky little boy. You found the marble in the oatmeal. You get to drink from the fire hose. And my favorite thing, the what, top five hardest I've ever laughed in my life. I've mentioned this to you, John, because we were like at one point we were uh, there was an episode of something we were going to do. And oh, no, no, it was for something I was writing. And I, I talked to our friend Jefferson about uh, his character getting spit in the face. Oh, There's this scene, and it's because yeah. of UHF. There's a scene where a little boy spits in Weird Al Yankovic's face, and it's not like a little bit. It's like a big, drippy loogie disgusting. that he let. Disgusting. Well, let's walk on over and see who's in our kitty corner. Hi, what's your name? Billy. Billy what? Okay. It is the hardest. It's top five hardest I ever left. Like the first time I ever watched it, I could not breathe. Like they had to pause it because I was just inconsolable because he spits in the the kid spits in his face and the kid's desperately trying not to laugh. Like the, the actor, like not in the scene, like he's trying not to laugh because it's the funniest thing. He even realized he was part of something incredibly funny. Stop what you're doing. As soon as you get off this, watch UHF. It's really good. It's on Tubi. That's why I watched it today. Yeah, it's it's on it's on like everything. It's yeah, on Pluto, it's always, it's Amazon not Prime. It's on. It's everywhere. No, okay. It's 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 Stop worth it. Your time. The Spatula City might be the funniest commercial. The way that guy slaps his forehead, <laughs> I could. It's okay, yeah, kids. Just, let's go, dude. Conan the Librarian. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> and he chops that guy in half. It really is so good. And you know oh. what? It blew my mind because the, one of the bad guys is Richie April, and I said, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Richie April plays one of the bad guys. <laughs> uh, Billy Barty's in it. That complete psychopath. Uh, yeah. Victoria Jackson plays the love interest. Oh, it's yeah, fucking. She lost her mind. Uh, oh, it's yeah. so good. It's one of the fun. It's really, and you know what's funny? You know what's sad when you watch the. Maybe it's changed now because I, if you want to watch, there's two really depressing commentaries I've watched. And the UHF one for the original DVD release is one of them. It was just Weird Al apologizing for the movie. Because I don't think he understood at the time, like, how big a cult favorite it was. He's like, yeah, hmm. I probably, it's just him just saying, yeah, I, I know that's not that funny. And I don't know. Because I don't think the film did well. No, it didn't no, at it all. No, definitely didn't think. do well. It didn't do well. So I guess he just still had that in his head. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like, when that hit video... That's a movie that, if you're from our generation, it's beloved. And, and it's, it's really fucking hysterically funny. Yeah. That guy who's the guy with, that, with the lazy eye, the Spanish guy with the lazy eye who's throwing all the animals out the window. 
Oh, all the fake commercials are fantastic. Gandhi too. Yeah. Don't oh, you so. know the Dewey Decimal System? Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> oh, we're just having a fun time. Johnny, how great is that scene? Got me. It was weird. Who's going to rape that doll? That's what it really lost me. <laughs> oh, wait. We didn't even ask Judd what he thought of the episode. Judd, what'd oh. you... Th- oh, yeah. Before we go, what did you think of the episode? Uh, I think I was, like, super bored throughout this episode. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought that was, like, CGI or something. That's crazy. Oh, what? That's hmm. Oh, I don't believe it. Oh, wow. Okay. God. <laughs> you want me to jam you up? <laughs> that's crazy. Judd. What a mouth on that kid. Ooh. Oh, I'm going to have so much fun. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, well, Judge, uh, say goodbye to everybody. <laughs> and now, Mr. Serling. Next week, an excursion to Mars with Roddy McDowell and Paul Comey. Two men trying to prove a point. A simple proposition that men are alike all over. And on Mars, they discover that this is just whistling in the dark. People are not alike. And next week on The Twilight Zone, you'll see why. I hope you'll be with us. Thank you and good night.